Father God, we come to you this morning and we just want to say thank you. As we come to worship and sing your praises, I pray that what we do today would be a sweet sound in your ear. Father, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and Reveal yourself to us in new ways, God. You, you have always loved us. And Lord, in the scripture we're going to read this morning, just the revelation of your love for us has been there from the very beginning. Because you are in us in so many ways. and God, I pray that we would just understand who you are more and more every day. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would move in this place. And Lord, I, I don't feel like today is some emotional, crazy day to just stir us where we walk out of this place and we're just going to feel like we're ready to go set the world on fire with anything. But God, I do believe that you have truth to instill in us today. that will change us from the core to help us be better followers of you, to help us be better servants of you. <clears throat> I just pray that you would work and move in our hearts and lives and God that every person in this room would just be willing to say, God, if you are real, then I at least want to believe in you. I at least am willing to consider serving you and honoring you with my life. And Lord, I want to open up myself to you this morning to reveal yourself to me in a way that would be life-changing. And Lord, if we just have that attitude today that, that we just surrender ourselves to you to let you speak to us, God, I think we'll all walk out of this room better that we'll all walk out of the room closer to you. And Father, as always, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. Pray for Miss Lois Reynolds. God, you know this morning we heard that she's in a lot of pain and <clears throat> having some gallbladder issues. And so God, we just pray that you'd help her get her appointment and, and receive the things that she needs to get better. But Lord, right now as she's in pain, Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would go and touch her and minister her in a special way. Lord, for all of the others who are dealing with health and, and mental, emotional, physical needs, God, we pray for them as well. God, help us to truly understand who you are so that we can better serve you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. As always, it's great to see you. We're in week two of our stewardship series, and um, I just want to encourage you guys to make sure that as we're talking about stewardship, that you don't just check in and out of uh, sermons from weeks. So don't skip weeks, but really try to make sure that as 
we're going through this until the first Sunday in October that, that you, you at least catch it on YouTube, Facebook, or the podcast if you miss a sermon because I feel like they're all going to tie together really well. Um, I feel like all of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next couple months is going to help us have a better understanding of what stewardship is as a whole. Um, you know, we, we've said it many times. I said it last week. You know, when people talk about stewardship and you talk about um, the responsibility of, of doing things with what God gives us is a heavy responsibility. And, and so many people focus on money when it comes to that. And we just say, you know, money might be the most important thing in your life, but it's not the most important thing in God. Okay? So, so the, the whole aspect of money, we're going to talk about it, but it's not, <clears throat> it's not the focus of God and it's just a very small way that you can honor God with your life. So there's so many other ways that we are called to be good stewards. And so today we're talking about uh, just kind of having the mindset and, and the heart set. Uh, as I was typing it up uh, th- this week, I used Microsoft Word and uh, heart set, it's not a word, but I think it's a good word. So I made it up. We're going to try to submit it and get it in a dictionary. But having a mindset and a heart set to really be like God and to be a giver. I mean, the title of today's sermon is God's nature is the giver and really understanding that, that God is the giver of all things. It's really coming to a good understanding of what stewardship is for you and I. So again, just to sum it up in a sentence, stewardship is the understanding that we own nothing. All right, We, don't, we own nothing, but we are managers with the responsibility of managing God's assets according to His will and for His glory. That is a calling that is on every person's life, whoever has claimed to be a believer and whoever will claim to be a believer. We are managers of what God has. And to understand today that God's nature is the nature of a giver, and we should represent that. So let's get started. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. This is the account of creation that we have in Scripture. Um, I always like to remind people Genesis is not a historical book. You know, we like to read uh, Scripture uh, more of along the lines of like information and things like that because of our education. But Genesis is not a historical book. Genesis is a spiritual book. So you get a very limited account of things that we think are important because our culture tells us are important. Like we like dates and times and chronological order and all this stuff that we think is so important. But a lot of other cultures around the world don't value that same concept. And when you look at scripture, it's much more spiritual than it is physical. And we got to remind ourselves of that. Okay. So this is the account of creation. God's created everything else. And now he's at the point where he's beginning to make humans. So then God said in verse 26, let us make human beings in our image. And this is going to be kind of cliche and uh, repetitive for some of you who's been in church a long time. If you haven't been in church a long time, I hope this is kind of like eye-opening for you. If you're taking notes, write this down because these things are important. But he said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Okay? So we were created to be in the image of God and to be like Him. That's really important. All right? They will reign... So you were created, human beings were created to reign, to have authority. That's important. 
Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. There you see it again. In the image of God, he created them. You see in a repetition here? Typically, whenever we have repetition and we say things over and over again, it's because we're trying to stress a point, to reiterate a fact, to, to really kind of like get it concreted and embedded in, especially our children, when we tell them the same things over and over and over again, because we want them to learn and understand something. And it's not a coincidence that in Genesis, as God is communicating what should be written, that we are created in the image of God to be like God. You were created to be like your heavenly Father. And that's so important. Male and female, He created them. And I think it's also important to understand that like, when you look at it from a male perspective and a female perspective, both masculine and feminine traits both represent God. Women and men are created in the image of God. They are representatives of God our heavenly father. And in verse 28 it says, then God blessed them. All right. So God took the first people he created and he blessed them. So he created them in his image to be like him, to reign. And then he blessed. All right. So you got to think about what God's initial plan was for human beings as we apply some of this to our life. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply all positive terms. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So you, once again, you see the aspect of reign and rule and authority given to human beings from God. And then he said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant through the earth, throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that is what happened. And so as you're taking notes, point number one, it's, it's just really very important for us to understand that we are made in God's image. And, and this is kind of like uh, Children's Church 101. So if you've, raised up, if you've been raised up in church, you've probably heard this a million times. Don't check out on me. This is so important. And if you've never heard this, you need to re remind yourself of this constantly in your relationship with the Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ, you are created in His image. There is something about you that is supposed to represent who God is. And it's, and it's undeniable. Like, you can't deny it. And, and as I've gotten older, it's really funny because I hate this, but so many people come up and tell me, dude, you look just like your dad. And I hate it, but I can't deny it. Because I'm his. It's like no one could ever accuse my mom. No one could ever accuse her. I look too much like him, right? I mean, it gives solidity to the fact that I belong to my father because I look like him. I bear his image. And as great or ungreat as that may be, it's just part of the fact. You as a human being bear the visible image of God to some extent. And it doesn't matter how beautiful you are or how ugly you are. And we giggle, but even if you got the short end of the stick and you don't feel like, like, man, no one's ever looked at me and like told me I was beautiful. It's like, it doesn't matter. And it's, and again, there's a lot of cliche stuff that's going to come out this morning, but it's really important for us to remember this. Like God told Samuel that he doesn't look at the outside. He looks at what's on the inside. 
Okay, so, so there are things that the world values and attributes greatness and, and value to, but that's not how our Heavenly Father works. And so it doesn't matter what you look like or what you are comprised of or what the rest of the world says, the understanding and reminding of ourselves that we are created in the image of God, we have value in that. Undeniable value. But it's not just enough to look like God, to bear His image physically, but we're also to, to, to bear His image in our nature, in our character. And so you, you see so much in, create, in the creation story about us bearing the image of God, but at the same time when you read Scripture and you follow it from Old Testament to New Testament, there's this effort of God for, for us as human beings that after sin enters into the world that He's not just satisfied with us looking like Him, but He very much so wants us to be like Him. And so from Old Testament to New Testament, you see this whole process of God bringing people back to bearing not only His image, but His nature in who they are as people through Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, Paul writes to the church and he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Remind you of the, the, the scriptures we just read? Because in the beginning they were created in the image of God to be like God. And yet sin distorts us. And what it does is, is even though we may bear that representation to a certain extent where we look like God, we can be very much different from God. And so the whole goal for God is, is to get us back to the point where we don't only just like represent Him in our image because people are pretty amazing. Like It's amazing at how people can do and accomplish so many things even underneath their own strength. But, but God is trying to draw you away from the world to bring you back to be more like Him. And so when you read the New Testament and you talk about being reborn and becoming a new person, you see that concept all throughout the New Testament in almost every book of the New Testament. Because it's calling us to be renewed, to be made new, to learn to become like our Creator, become like Him. Verse 11 in Colossians chapter 3 says, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what's on the outside. All that matters is, is that He lives in all of us. You with me today? So just by creation, just by being born, you as a human being bear the visible image of God to a certain degree. But that doesn't get you into heaven and that doesn't get you eternal life and that doesn't get you the rewards and the things that God wants for you in this life or the one to come. We have to become like God. And we can only do that through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the whole idea of Christ being sacrificed for our sins and the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us is to complete the whole process. Like He, he created us to be like Him, but it's through the revealing of His law in the Old Testament and Jesus dying on the cross and the Holy Spirit come to empower us that actually brings us to the point where we can it's possible for us to be like God in His nature. 
You with me today? So when you read Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, and it talks about putting on your new nature, you just, let's jump to Ephesians 4, verse 24, where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, but put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You cannot be righteous, and you cannot be holy. But you have to put on your new nature, through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you can receive the righteousness of God in you. See, there's a lot of people who, who claim to have faith in Christ. We, we say we believe, we say we're Christians. And then we try to pursue righteousness and holiness underneath our own strength, which is extremely frustrating and tiring because we can never accomplish that and we know it and we can feel it and it eats at us on the inside. But the Holy Spirit fills us with the power of God and enables us to overcome sin and temptation. To overcome these things. And, and it's not just about looking like God, but it's so much more about being like God that God wants for you and I. So it doesn't, there, there's not as much emphasis on the way that we dress, the way that we act, the way that we talk. And yes, while some of those things are important in some ways and reflect a lot about what God has done in your life, what's truly important is what's going on in your heart and in your mind and the renewal that's taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit as it's working in you in your relationship with Christ. And that's difficult because it's more about surrendering and allowing God to do the work than us just going out, okay, let's get started, let's do this, let's do something about this so we can grow closer to God. No, it's more of like, God, I surrender to you. I'm going to let you in my life. I'm going to let you have control. I'm going to let you have reign so that you can work in me, make me a new creation so that I can be more like you. And one of the biggest ways that we, we represent God's nature of what God wants us to look like on the inside in this world is by having the nature of giving. So point number two we got to understand that God is the giver. Now, I said this last week. I'll say it again. If you do not believe in Christ, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you're going to have an extremely difficult time applying these sermons and applying these concepts of stewardship to your life because it takes surrender and it takes a great deal of faith. And if you haven't stepped out on faith enough to put Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're probably not going to do this. But if you love Jesus and if you've surrendered to him, being a steward, it's still going to be extremely difficult because it's going, to take a, it's going to take more faith. You're going to have to step out in a greater way and trust in him a lot more. But to understand that God is not just a giver, but he's the giver really kind of helps us to understand and change the concept of how we think when it comes to God and the things of the world because we struggle a lot with this. You know, giving, when you've been a believer for a long time and, you've, and you truly surrendered, giving is one of those things that it, your mind changes on how you approach it. I've said it many times, you know, when I first came to church, I didn't have a really hard time with a lot of things being a Christian, but one of the things that I had a very difficult time with early on was giving money because I was taught 
the way that I was taught about money was uh, uh, in a very wise way, but also somewhat worldly. And I was probably sitting where Henry and Ruth are sitting, and I remember dropping that envelope in the offering plate for the first time as a teenager and like grinding chunks of teeth off as I did it because it was so difficult to, to let it go. Um, but when you understand the concept of giving, and as I've given, as I've seen God bless and reward, not just monetarily, because I don't want us to think today we're, we're promoting like this, okay, you give a dollar, you get 10 back, or that's a bunch of crap. That's, that's not true. But understanding that God does bless us in many different ways, and everything I've ever given, I feel like God's given me back in so many other ways. And now it's a privilege to give. Like I, I look at giving as sort of an investment in a lot of ways. Like you don't always see the return on your investment in the beginning. Sometimes it takes a while. I've done it long enough now where I've seen the return on the investment. It's very much worth it. It's a privilege to give. I get excited about giving now and things that I truly believe in and people that I trust. But giving is not so much a sacrifice as it is a gift that God gives you the ability to give so that you can receive all the things that go along with it. You look at the Old Testament, and God is displayed as a giver in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it's much more focused on like physical, worldly things. And so even when you receive the law... In Deuteronomy, as God is giving the law to the people of Israel, there's a promise of like worldly monetary reward. So you look at chapter 28, as God is uh, speaking to Moses and telling him, if you obey my commands, if you obey the terms of the covenant, this is what I'll do for you. There was like 10 things. The first one was prominence. If you obey the terms of the covenant, I'll give you prominence. The second one was success in the rural and the suburban. So like basically in your civilizations and in your farming, you'll have success. The third was an abundance in children, food, and livestock. If you're obedient to the Lord, I'll give you that. The fourth one was protection and power. The fifth one was a bountiful harvest. The sixth one was set apart as God's people. You'll be set apart if you obey the terms of the covenant. Seventh was feared by others. Eighth was prosperity. Nine was there would be plenty of rainfall, that God would bless their work, and there would be no debt. Sounds pretty good, right? No debt. Number 10 would be leadership over others, that God would give them authority over other nations and people. All those sound pretty good, right? But what we miss a lot of times is is also coupled with that in the last half of chapter 28, you see all the things that God said he would do if they didn't obey the terms of the covenant, which are very, they're not as fun to read, right? And everybody's sinners, right? I'm a sinner, you a sinner? And so, like, when you talk about obeying the terms of the covenant, none of us have obeyed the terms of the covenant. And as Christians, we take great liberties with the Old Testament covenant, as in not applying them to our lives anymore, living under the grace of the New Testament. And and so when you look at the New Testament, I think this is very important, that that we're not stuck in this idea of, of we want our cake and we want to eat it too. Because if you live according to the Old Testament, which is like God gives us monetary things, because a lot of people read Old Testament scripture and they think like, oh, blesses, blessings and power and authority and riches and wealth and God 
blessed all these people for following him with all these like worldly monetary things. We love that stuff. But you also forget that the Old Testament comes with a lot of punishment and death. And the consequences were much heavier in the Old Testament for the sin that was committed during those times. So God said in Deuteronomy 28, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you don't do this, I'll curse you and I'll punish you. Right? So, so as Christians, we, we live in this world where we want to live in New Testament times, which is living underneath grace and mercy and forgiveness, where God is very generous to us, but we want the Old Testament rewards. But if you read the New Testament and you look at how God blesses people, it's much more spiritual. In fact, God, Jesus, continually calls his followers to give up the worldly things in order to receive the spiritual eternal things. And so for some of us today, like just as, as believers in Christ, like we have to make a decision because like we're sitting here thinking, and, and I know I've fallen prey to this a lot in my life, I would love to be rewarded financially or, or with you know, uh, positions and authority. And, and all those things sound very appealing to any of us. But if you want those types of blessings, that, that came with the Old Testament with certain rules and standards. And if you, you know, if you, if you, whether you believe it or not, God is the giver of all things. And if you want what God's got to give, you've got to play by God's rules. And the crazy thing is, is that God loves us enough that as He created you in His own image... And he loves you and he, he gave us the law to reveal that we're, he wants us to be like him, but we're not like him. The law reveals that we are not like God. And he gives us Jesus to forgive us of all the times we've broken the law and to forgive us of that sin. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to overcome it and to live in righteousness and holiness. God's done everything to make it possible for us to have eternal life, to overcome, to have victory over sin, and yet, he loves you enough that he doesn't force you to do anything. He lets you choose. So you can choose to follow God. You can choose to surrender to him, and he'll give you all those things like eternal life and the blessings. And yeah, like there are some earthly blessings that come along with following God, and we all get rewarded and blessed in many different ways. And that's not up for me to decide. It's just the way it is. But there's consequences if we don't. And God doesn't force you. God lets you choose. And so if we want what God has to give, we've got to play by God's rules. If we want to play by our rules, we should never expect to get what God has to give. There's just truth in that. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. The gift of Christ is coupled with eternal life, not worldly things. Remember, Christ calls us to lay down the things of the world, to die to the world, so that we can have eternal life, so that we can have eternal things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul is writing to the church. We actually just studied this in Bible study Wednesday night. But Paul's talking about what it means to be a generous giver. It just, it just worked out this way. We didn't plan it this way. But he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. 
And so Wednesday night we were discussing that while this is very much indicated as being spiritual, like Jesus was God, he was in heaven, he gave up all that to come here to suffer and bleed and die so that you and I could inherit the most important thing that you could possibly inherit, which is to live eternally. Because it doesn't matter what else you get. See, that's the thing. Like We think, well, we want money or we want this or we want that. We want power. We want a new job. We want all these other things. And yet, it doesn't matter if we get them, we're still going to have to give them up. We're going to part ways with them at some point in time. But eternal life is forever. And Jesus came to give you what lasts forever. Not something that he's going to give you and then you're going to have to give it up anyway. No, he came to give you what really counts. And a lot of times it's just changing the mindset of how we view things. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You go back and you read the New Testament, you look through Scripture, the focus on the worldly monetary things is pushed to the side and the focus on the spiritual and the eternal is greatly promoted through Jesus Christ, God's Son, the visible image of God in this world. As everyone else who were children of Abraham was focused so much more on the world and what they thought the Messiah was going to be from an earthly perspective, the visible image of God came into this world to show us what God truly wanted us to do and what He truly created us for. You were created to represent God's image, not just by the way you look, but also by what is inside of you and reflecting in that. And God's called you to be a giver. Number three, point number three this morning. We are to reflect Christ in all aspects of life, especially in giving. You know, you think about God's nature as a giver, like from the moment of creation till now, God has given us everything. You may say, oh, my parents did this or my grandparents did that or whatever, and I worked hard. It's like, yeah, but it's like you, you think about your life. The fact that you're here today and you can hear me and understand what I'm saying, many of you have lived longer than a lot of other people in the world have ever gotten to live. Like God is the author and perfecter. God has sustained you. He's given you life and he's blessed you in different ways. And we've all suffered in different ways. And we all had shortcomings in different ways, but God's given us life in so many different ways. Way better than what others have had it. God is the giver. And I love the passage that talks about us being a living sacrifice. It's Romans 12, verse 1. But, um, yeah, Romans 12, 12, sorry. Um, but I'm not going to read it yet. But I think the idea of being a living sacrifice is, is really interesting. And so I'm going to pick on my wife. I, I usually do, so pick on her again. She, she comes home with all these medical things all the time and some of them I'm just like stop I don't know what you're saying like just stop other times it's pretty interesting and so we were talking this is probably a few years ago probably as I was getting older and getting frustrated with my body um, and she was telling me it's like you know at the age of 25 
your body stops producing cells as fast as it always has. And so, so when you're born until about your mid-20s and 25 is just a general age, your body is just reproducing cells at an extraordinary rate. And so this is why as a, a baby to a mid-20-year-old, they can have surgery, they can get hurt, they can have a cut, like you get sick, whatever. And whenever they get that, it's like they just get better so much faster. It's like our kids come home with colds from cousins in school and they're just gross little animals. And they'll get sick, they'll be better in like two days, I'll be sick for like a week and a half. All right? Because their, their body is just so much more resilient. Because like they are at, and you don't realize this when you're young, but you're at your pinnacle of life from birth to that age because your body is just reproducing itself so fast that you're just healing yourself so fast. And then you hit the age of 25 and it's almost like there's a switch that turns off and your cells stop producing. And it's not, they don't, they don't stop, but it's, it's to the point now where it's not sustaining itself anymore. You're decreasing from that point on. And this is why you start getting gray hair and all you young, thin people who could eat everything before start putting on a little bit of weight. And you get wrinkles. And you start getting hurt. And you do things like you bend over and pick something up and you pull a muscle. And you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, what's wrong with my body? It's because your body's literally starting the decaying process. Like, you're still reproducing cells. I'm going to make you leave today. You're going to be in a real good mood whenever you go home. It's like, I'm dying. <laughs> But you're, you're starting the process of breaking down. And, and then when you reach the age of 55, and man, if you're over 55, I'm really sorry. <laughs> when you reach the age of 55, that, that roundabout age, your body basically stops. I mean, it's like you're still producing some cells, but it's like yeah, it's, you're, you're on the downslope. And I'm getting close. I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying it's like it's, it's there. This is why when you hit the age of 55, like you're just, you can get cut. It takes forever to heal. You get sick, takes a little longer to heal. Everything takes so much longer and your body just begins to ache and feel different because you're just not producing. And so you start the death process. Well, you think about what it means to be a living sacrifice and to have life. It's like those cells have to be regenerated. All right. So, so think about that from a physical point of view. And let's talk about it from a spiritual point of view. What has to happen in your life for you to, 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 to be a spiritual living being and to be a living sacrifice? Because you think about the concept of you are living so that you can die and then you live so that you can die, and you live so that you can die, and you live so that you can die, and you repeat the process over and over and over again. You are living so that you can die. That's the whole concept of sacrifice. You are dying to yourself in order to live for Christ. We are called to be living sacrifices. All right? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So let me throw this in there. I'm going to keep that verse up on the screen for you so you can look at it. 
you can sacrifice underneath your own strength and power and it may not be a sacrifice that God accepts or approves of. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. You think about Genesis 3 or Genesis 4 maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you think about Cain and Abel bringing their sacrifices and God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. You can sacrifice. You can give to God and it not be a pleasing gift to the Lord. If you're doing it underneath your own power just because it's the thing to do and you want to look like God or you want to look like other Christians, that's not what God's called you to do. No, God has called you to become new, to be filled with His Spirit so that you can become a giver like Him. You see, Abel brought the best of what he had. And it says Cain just brought some. Like it was, it was an attitude of the heart. And to understand this morning that, that you are called to reflect Christ in every aspect of your life. And you know this because you've met people in your life who say that they're a Christian and yet everything about them says otherwise. Or maybe some things about them says otherwise. But true followers of Christ try to represent Him in every aspect of who they are. And it's in your nature. And you can't duplicate it. You can't fake it. You might think you're faking it, but you're not. Everyone else can see it. Our nature has to be different. God has to change us and make us anew. And when you talk about your life being a sacrifice, man, we're going to talk about this the first Sunday in October, our last, ser- last sermon of this series, that whole sermon is going to be about sacrifice. We cannot worship without sacrifice. You can't do it. Like we say we go to church and we're going to worship and we're going to do all this stuff. Like, no, you can't worship without sacrifice. It's not possible. Like the New Testament aspect of sacrifice is very different than the Old Testament aspect of sacrifice. So it's not like I'm saying like you can't worship if you don't give money. or You can't worship if you don't bring a cow and kill it and bleed all over the place or some crazy stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a living sacrifice like you are the sacrifice. That's New Testament principle 101. Christ has called you to be the sacrifice. You're the sacrifice. You can't worship without you sacrificing of yourself. And refusing to submit to the nature of God. Again, you need to understand today, money might be the most important thing in your life. It's not the most important thing to God. It's just one small aspect. Refusing to give is robbing God and His Spirit of being able to to display His nature in you and through you. Like It's just one small aspect. But, but we're, we're accepting spiritual death whenever we do that. You know, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, and this is a great passage, and Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ in this. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. But in verse 15, he says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Everything about Christ showed us who God was and what God wanted from us. And what did Jesus do? He gave his life, his entirety of his life to ministry, to serving the Lord and to serving others. 
Like he is the epitome of what it means to be a living sacrifice, both in living and in his own physical death. And man, I just want to challenge you today. It's like, you know, as, as we're talking about this, it's really important for us not to be afraid to just do what's right, to do what God has called us to do. B- because like, I, I told you, man, I sat there in the pew. Like, I remember, I remember it as clear as day how difficult it was to just turn loose of that thing because that was a big deal in my life. I remember how hard that was. We cannot be afraid to do the things that God's called us to do. Because we have to like understand and be knowledgeable enough of Scripture to realize what happens if we don't. What happens if we don't do what's right? It's not about like, well, if I give this, well, God may not, may not you know, bless me or I may not have this back or whatever. You know, I, I just may not be able to... I don't, I don't know. It's like, well, what happens if you don't give it? What happens if you don't give your time? What happens if you don't be a good steward of the people in your life? What happens if you don't use the talents and abilities that God's given you to glorify Him in this life? Those are the things that we should be more acutely aware of. And just coming at it from just a practical and and even somewhat of a philosophical point of view, you know, like to understand today, okay, if God has called me to be a giver, if that is like one of his major aspects of his nature is giving and God calls us to be givers to display that nature in the world to other people and to honor God in that way, if he wants me to be a giver, surely to goodness he would not let me run out to the point where I have nothing else to give. But if God has called me to be a giver, surely he would continue to replenish so that you can continue to give and to continue to honor him in that way. Does that not make sense? And, and again, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you put $10 in the offering plate, you're going to get $100. Like, no, that, I told you, that's garbage. Like, we don't play that game here. But to understand that if God has called you to give, and if he knows that you're a good steward, whether it be with time or the people or the talents you have, because in reality, we're, we're getting to a point in our society where, where money is becoming less important, and it's the time and the talents and the people, and, and we're putting a lot more emphasis on those things today. But if you're not being a good steward in those things, why would God continue to give to you to allow you to have something that you're not stewarding well? But if you can prove faithful in the little things, then God can trust you with the big things, which is Scripture. And if you're being a good steward of these things, why would God not continue to give you so that you can continue to give? And don't fall into the trap of thinking like, oh, this is a great financial investment. Like, Christ and the church and everything else, it's not a financial investment. Go hire you a broker. That's not what it's for. But to understand that you are called to be a steward. You're called to use what God has given you to glorify Him according to His will for His glory. And if you can do that in in a godly way, why would He not continue to give to you? Because He said to those who are faithful, 
that they will have more. And so even if it's from a time perspective, like you give your time, I mean like, you just like, man, I don't have enough time. I, I can't do this. It's like, what about eternal life? It's like you're going to have all the time in the world. And it's like, man, I know I'm talking about earthly time. It's like, well, if you're focused on earthly time and you're not focused on eternal time, like, where's your heart and your mind at? Like, the whole aspect is, is to overcome our understanding of the physical in order to realize what God is truly trying to accomplish in us and through us because it's always leading to the spiritual. And if you're not interested in the spiritual, you got a lot of other things that you need the Lord to work in your life on. And I advise you to seek Him in that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. And we are forever grateful for all the many things that you've blessed us with. And Jesus, we humbly come before you and we realize that in so many areas of our life we fall short of being good stewards. But God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and more importantly, that we would not leave here with an idea or with a plan of how we're going to honor you better or do a better job in certain ways. But God, we would simply say, Jesus, I love you and I submit myself to you. Show me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to use my times, my talents, my abilities. Show me how you want me to raise my kids, to treat my spouse, to work my job. Jesus, I surrender to you. And I pray that you would speak into my life and make it so very clear as to how I can glorify and honor you in better ways. Lord, we love you today and we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.